Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weird Science Comic News Podcast, a podcast that I do once a week, sometimes by myself, sometimes with others, uh, but is on our Patreon account, and I wanted to put it up on the regular feed this week just to show people who are out there that hear us talk about the Patreon account on the regular podcast and haven't gone over and checked things out or whatnot, uh, because I know I probably wouldn't myself. I am a lazy man. Not that everybody is lazy, but, you know, those extra clicks, it takes a lot of time and effort, and who needs that, right? I don't. But I wanted everybody to see what we were talking about and actually get an example of a show uh, that we do. I do this one once a week, just to mention other shows before I go on. Eric has his boys' toys and his cellar dweller horror movie, The Boys' Toys. He talks about toys and reviews those. The last uh, week's episode was on Beast Wars, Transformers toys. Uh, he has a cellar dweller podcast, or claims he doesn't, that the cellar dweller has that. Talks about uh, movies and horror movies in particular. Uh, I also have a Jim's Other comic book review show where I review non-DC comics, usually two or three a week. That comes out every Wednesday. We have the Pop Culture Podcast that comes out uh, twice a month, every other Monday. We will be having an episode of that this week. Uh, when Monday comes around, that will be released on the Patreon account. I just want everybody to know all the things that we do and try to put out there uh, pretty much weekly, very weekly. Uh, but this is one of them, the DC or DC. I keep saying that the Weird Science Comic News Podcast. And if you want to get this uh, every week and all these other shows we're talking about, including the big thing is the Patreon exclusive spotlight that we have that the badasses get to pick two books each week. And we put that out, which we mentioned that a lot on the podcast as well. Uh, but yeah, this is that show. And if you want to go over and check things out, go over to patreon.com slash weird science and look at all the shows that we have. Uh, look at the levels, see which level is good for you and hopefully join up. And I say it all the time on the podcast, I say it again this week, that it is only, it's still the beginning of March. If you sign up now, you won't be charged until the 1st of April. So that gives you plenty of time to, number one, listen to some of the 190 plus shows. I don't think you'll have enough time to listen to every one, but there are over 190 episodes of shows up there already. But also, you can sit back, listen to shows, and see kind of how we run the thing and how we roll uh, and show you what we hope to show you that we put a lot of effort into it and you'll see shows going up each you know day week whatever but you'll see that we do put a pretty good effort into giving people who join up uh, some quality stuff uh, maybe it's more quantity over quality I don't know I'm not one to judge but you'll have to see for yourself. But again, I'll mention it one last time. We're patreon.com slash weird science. But I will stop right now and we'll get on with the show. Now it's time for Jim and the news. Listening to Jim is what I want to do. He's talking solicits and very uncovers before all the meat and the cheese that's from under. And now it's up for Jim and the news. And now it's up for Jim and the news. And now it's time for Jim and the 
everybody out there to the Weird Science Comic News podcast for the week of March 10th, 2018. I'm sitting there saying that and I'm looking over the blanket that I have over my mouse uh, hand. It's the craziest thing. I think I want to devise, I think I've mentioned this before, I want to devise a mouse hand dampener that maybe is a glove that has an open palm that you but it's big and puts it over and makes a cone of silence over my mouse because I click like a son of a bitch while I'm doing these things uh ask anybody that I do any show with uh Brandon uh Reggie mainly uh that we share a outline and as I do it it's funny cuz Brandon's just as bad as me when we do the sports nuts and it's like me and him are painting pictures with, with uh, you know, clicking on things and, and highlighting stuff. Half the time we accidentally delete things. Reggie does it. I think Reggie does it to screw with me because I'll just sit there. And even as I'm reading something, I'm just clicking. I'm highlighting things for no reason. And uh, Reggie then will just start doing it, I think, to mock me and to laugh at me. That son of a bitch who's sitting right now. In Hawaii, probably sipping on whatever drinks they drink in Hawaii, probably in a coconut, possibly wearing the outfit of Gilligan from Gilligan's Island. Because if I went to Hawaii, I would dress as Gilligan the whole time. That's all I would do. Uh, I'd wear the hat. I'd have the red shirt. I'd just walk around as Gilligan, but also drinking every drink I have. And I do not drink uh, liqueurs uh, much, probably once every 20 years. And I would drink everything out of a coconut, whether it be Diet Coke or maybe if I switch things up, Diet Pepsi. I'm not sure. Dancing Mike would probably approve, and he's sitting there and saying, aren't they the same thing, uh, when he also thinks that Dr. Pepper is the same as Sprite. So there you go, down in his neck of the woods. Uh, We're going to start off the podcast as we always do. With DC News. And there's a a bunch of news uh, this week on the DC side of things because it starts with something pretty big and something that Reggie had in the notes for last week. But at that point, it was more of a rumor. And I, I don't know. I do not like to respond to rumors. I'm not that sort of guy. I do not run the TMZ of comic news podcasts here, whether or not you think I do. But the first bit is DC launches new creator-driven Black Label line with Miller, DeConnick, Snyder, and more. Oh, Black Label, is it? Speaking of alcohol, it seems very much like that. The Black Label line. That's the uh, sort of line that is in the top shelf behind the bar, uh, which I needed. A step stool to get to, as Eric Shea would say. Uh, I'm just here to add the jokes that Eric would add as he goes. Spoilers, man. Oh, Damn. Goodness, it is spoilers. Uh, uh, isn't news kind of spoilers for the masses? Isn't it? DC Entertainment is launching a new imprint with high profile creators doing original, out of continuity stories with its biggest characters, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Led by former Batman group editor Mark Doyle, the DC Black Label imprint will. Uh, and include previously announced stories as well as some new projects as well. And yes, some of these things that they're putting in here uh, are things that they have already mentioned before. Uh, I don't know. When I first heard this, 
I thought, okay, so it's just a different version of Vertigo. And I don't think that many, I think that people would think that as well. It's a little different. Uh, It still seems to be something like that. And I don't know if this also goes down the line that maybe these uh, writers and things might get a little more piece of the pie with these possibly. And this is a label that this black label is something to try to get writers to jump on DC where they can tell these out of continuity stories. Also, with the biggest character so it's almost like a you know let's open the toy box they can do whatever they want over there because it's not in continuity uh like eric hates uh but if you have that it does open up a kind of a bargaining chip for getting other writers it, it that and i think that's a good thing i would never say that that's not something and as i'm saying this i'm desperately trying to find my wrong turn quote Dory of continuity. Dory over continuity. That's all it's about. Dory over continuity. Many of our perennial, best-selling, critically acclaimed books were produced when we unleashed our top talent on standalone, often out of continuity projects featuring our most iconic characters. A prime example being Frank Miller's *The Dark Knight Returns*, said DC co-publisher Jim Lee. Creating DC Black Label doubles down on our commitment to working with all-star talent, trusting them to tell epic, moving stories that only they can tell with the highest levels of create- creative freedom. Uh, and as I go down, we're going to hear the, the what they're going to put in these and what the uh, stories will be. I can't say that I don't think that that White Knight book uh, by Sean Murphy was a driving point of them saying, look, at these things sell. We need more of these. And instead of just throwing them out there into the DCU as a whole and just, you know, kind of just, hey, here's this, this and this where you do get a thing where some people probably did pick up White Knight and started reading it and were confused at first, said, you know, what's this? Why is my Batman doing this? And why isn't he this? And why is Joker that? Well, this actually gives you the caveat right away of, listen, these are out of continuity stories. Uh, We can get darker with these and there's going to be less confusion of that. So it's funny, this is kind of a new line, but to me, it's just the, hey, if you like the Elseworlds out of continuity stuff and mini series that's the other thing i don't know that a lot of these won't be just contained mini series as well uh and that was what i said before that it seemed like dc if they were looking at numbers they were going to say two things you know what sells events and uh, miniseries. So here you go. And Elseworlds miniseries. We had uh, the Nightwing story, uh, uh, New New Order, I guess it was, by uh, Kyle Higgins. I'm trying to talk about these things that I'm fumbling. I, I was up actually last night. We got done recording. And uh, I think me and Eric got done around 11 last night, a Friday night, doing some recording. And in the meantime, uh, we were very giddy because we are almost done recording in general. We have a we have the rant and raves and a mail section and the Batman book. That's all we have to do tonight. So that is almost like a night off. We'll be done pretty quick. Uh, so we got done around 11. I started watching Old Simpsons. I've been sitting at night where I get, uh, you know, I get done my stuff and I've been just going back and I, I watch the Simpsons a lot. Uh, pretty much seasons one through nine. I've seen every episode a million times. I do not dabble past season nine much. Uh, I think that it took a nosedive after that i know that some people in the uh, get fresh crew beep boop are big simpsons fans they may disagree with me but i was i was watching a bunch of simpsons and then i looked at the clock and i mean a bunch because 11 till when i realized it was five o'clock i had to go to bed and i thought i this is great five o'clock i'm up to thanks a lot adderall 
I'm really, why am I mad at you, Adderall? It's more me scheduling that does it. I shouldn't. It's like some people are there. You know what? I don't like to drink coffee after four in the afternoon because it it tends to make me a a little bit too jumpy when it's time to go to bed. Then there's me like, huh, we're recording and I forgot to say seven o'clock. Here we go, Adderall. Next thing I know, it's five o'clock and I'm watching Simpsons. Five o'clock in the morning. What am I doing? I'm telling you, eventually I'm going to die, and they're going to actually do the autopsy and cut me open, and there's not going to be anything in there. They're going to say, legitimately, this this guy died six years ago. We don't know how this husk of a man survived. (sighs) Back to the news. Creating DC Black Label doubles down on our commitment. I don't even know if I had a point that I was getting to. I don't know. I I need to rewind and figure that out. Creating DC Black Label doubles down their commitment to working with all-star talent and trusting them to tell epic moving stories that only they can tell at the highest levels of creative freedom. DC Black Label is scheduled to launch in August with the three-issue Superman Year One by Frank Miller. I will give him... That's kind of a half-ding. And John Romita Jr. (laughs) Hoo-wee! Yeah, I have not been big on John Romita Jr.'s art lately, or ever. Other planned titles include Batman Damned, like Batman Spoilers Man, Damned, by Brian Azzarello and Lee Barhamo, and I love Lee Barhamo's art especially. I haven't really seen much of him in these parts since We Are Robin, so I'm pretty pumped to see him. And Brian Azzarello, we haven't got much either since the Dark Knight book that he was kind of co-writing with Frank Miller that we heard kind of different things about whether he was co-writing or uh, Frank Miller was mad at him about that. Wonder Woman Historia, The Amazons, by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez, and that's an awesome deal too, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick. Batman Last Night on Earth by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo previously announced with Sean Murphy illustrating, and what Scott's saying is this is his last Batman story, and whether or not I believe that, uh, I'm pretty pumped to, to read that as well. Uh, Wonder Woman, Diana's Daughter, which I heard is a kind of uh, a preliminary working title by Greg Rucka. So right there, everybody was upset that Greg Rucka left the Wonder Woman book, and a little did I know I would be after what we got after him. Uh, you have that with an artist to be announced. Uh, would be awesome if it was like uh, Nicholas Scott or Liam Sharp. Uh, I don't know if they want to go that far into the the creative team of the Rebirth Wonder Woman, but hey, uh, I'll take it. Put Bilquis Evely on that. Nah, I'll be happy with that too. And the other history of the DC Universe by John Ridley and an artist to be announced, and that's that John Ridley book that was announced before that we talked on the news about that is kind of like the sides, not, not the side stories, but the look at big events and how they were affected uh, by diversity and things like that. Uh, But yeah, this is going to continue here. And I thought that I I did list here. First, I'll I'll give you the news here about the uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo deal and then get back to this by giving you the synopsis of these actual books that I just mentioned. Why Capullo replaced Murphy on Snyder's Batman last night on Earth. Uh, After news this morning of DC's new Black Label imprint was released, Scott Snyder is coming up with an explanation of why Batman Last Night on Earth, a series previously announced but now included in this new imprint, changed artists from Sean Murphy to Greg Capullo. And I remember, I think that when this was first announced, I don't know if it was announced during All-Star Batman. It seemed to be more part of that. And I I just remember uh, Scott Snyder and Sean Murphy talking more about 
what All-Star was going to include with him and Sean Murphy. And then from that, you did get the White Knight book that's pretty much just Sean Murphy running the show there. And then this. So it's kind of splintered off from that. Uh, the book is a project I've been planning for several years, something that need I needed a different format for. Sean Murphy and I had talked about doing it together, but the truth is we both felt any last Batman story should be done with brother Greg Capullo. And, and I know right now that Dancing Mike is laughing. LOL, as the kids say, uh, about that brother, Greg Capullo. Snyder tweeted, And the fact is the amazing world Sean has created with Batman White Knight is his. It felt right to keep his Batman singular. Sean is family to me, and I'm thrilled for him over the tremendous, well-deserved success of Batman White Knight. Wait till you see what he has coming. It's amazing, and Scott always will throw out that caveat of the other guys. And yeah, uh, Sean Murphy kind of let it slip at one point on Twitter that he was working on Volume 2 of White Knight since then. I've seen him just kind of play with that and say, yeah, I can't wait to do volume six, seven, eight, you know, things like that. But you have this black label, which like I said, I think that one of the major driving forces of this is the White Knight success. And it is, it's a, it's a complete hit, that book. And it's, it's great. I love it. I know some people, Dancing Mike, just don't want to touch it, and that's fine. That's all his uh, prerogative, as Bobby Brown once sang. As for me and Greg, we've never had a chance to work outside the monthly grind, not in seven-plus years together. And the Black Label format finally gives us the room to experiment creatively, both with story and art to make something very different than anything we've done before. Snyder continued, something that encompasses Batman from early days to his end and it brings in the DCU as it goes. Very excited, thanks as always. And I, I do want to also point out as the story started where we said that the it's led by Bar, uh, Batman group editor Mark Doyle is running this and I do think that's another thing that I'll tip my hat to DC kind of learning things kind of like don't get a Gerard Way type guy a creative guy who's also doing books to be running this because that didn't seem to work out uh, you know, you have the guy running the imprint, the young animal imprint whose book is delayed months to years to canceled uh get a actual editor in there to run it and go and somebody mark doyle from what i've seen and heard is a good guy who has a great working relationship with a lot of these people also gives you again that whole deal look mark doyle he's a good guy come on come on over to the black label come on over here and write your stories you silly little elsewhere stories that eric shea thinks are nonsense but i like him but yeah for his part, Murphy tweeted that Batman White Knight could have been a Black Label book and might end up being one later on. Black uh, Batman White Knight was an unplanned success that caught everyone off guard. It might have been a Black Label book if I had waited a year, but in a way, it accidentally jumped the gun. Murphy said, who knows, maybe it'll be absorbed by Black Label. And with that, if Black Label takes off again, this makes it easier for people to see things. Uh, of course, that leads to some people like, you know, like I just joked, the out of continuity, not on my watch. Well, you'll know where to stay off. You don't get angry. And the people, other people can go and read it. And I can start my Weird Science Black Label podcast. And if I did, I'd have this. Hello, Weird Science! And maybe I'd start off with this. This will be, as I say, I just said Weird Science Black Label podcast. I already have a sound clip. Here it is. Weird Science Comics Blogs dot blogspot dot com. See? 
It writes itself. As far as Murphy's future work, the writer-artist teased that he has a new project, possibly with DC Black Label, that might be announced at New York Comic Con. He had previously stated he plans to write his own material exclusively and no longer work with other writers, which kind of throws into a little deal what Scott Snyder saying that Capullo's on. Maybe that's the case as well. I don't know, but they do seem to be very good friends, so I would doubt that. But here are the rundowns of the books themselves. Superman Year One, and I uh, obviously I mentioned the names earlier, but I, I thought that maybe people would be interested to see what gives on the Superman Year One, right, written by Frank Miller, art by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr., a groundbreaking definitive treatment of Superman's classic origin story in honor of his 80th anniversary. This story details new revelations that reframe the Man of Steel's most famous milestones, from Cal frantic exile from Krypton to Clark Kent's childhood in Kansas to his inevitable rise to become the most powerful and inspiring superhero of all time. 80 years old, that man. He looks like he has never aged more than, say, 28 in my mind. Hooey, looks good for his age. And if you go by Tom King, he is immortal. Batman, Last Night on Earth, written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo. Batman wakes up in a desert. I wish it said Batman wakes up in a desert. It's a big I, – I would say if Batman's going to wake up in a dessert, I hope it would be an oversized a banana split and somehow there's a new villain called like Ice Cream Cone. Eh, that's why I, I don't write really good villains. I'm sorry. Banana Man. <laughs> and then what happens is he wakes up in the, des- in, in the desert, in the dessert, and then he's like, what am I – what's going on, uh, Ice Cream Cone? I don't know, Batman, but it's time I have to split. He doesn't know what year it is or how the Joker's head is alive in a jar beside him, a la Futurama. But I I hope that Nixon is right there as well. And and maybe the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But it's the beginning of a quest unlike anything the Dark Knight has undertaken before. In this strange future, villains are triumphant and society has liberated itself from the burden of ethical codes. Fighting to survive while in search of answers, Bruce Wayne uncovers the truth about his role in the New World and begins the last Batman story ever told uh yes and the next one's batman damned written by brian azarello and art by lee barhamo and again i said i was looking forward to seeing uh lee barhamo's art i really like lee barhamo's art so spoilers man uh, damn on the deserted gotham city bridge a body is found whispers spread the news joker is dead but is this a dream come true or a nightmare being born now batman and dc's outlaw magician john constantine seems like calling him a magician is is really uh kind of insulting to a john constantine really seems like right it it seems a little bit below his paid grade a magician must hunt the truth through a gotham city hellscape i just imagine that he ends up with uh you know batman and they come face to face with Killer Croc, and the way that John Constantine does it is he gets a bouquet of flowers out of his sleeve and gives it, and then Killer Croc's the, oh, that's all I needed. Thank you, and leaves. All right, now Batman and DC's a magician. I went back to that. See, this is what happens when I'm going and scrolling through things and highlighting stuff I shouldn't be. City supernatural recesses are laced with hints about a killer's identity, but the Dark Knight's descent into horror will test his sanity and the limits of rationality as he must face a horror that doesn't wear a mask. Isn't that what we all do in life? 
fight horrors that don't wear masks. Wonder Woman, a story of the Amazons, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, art by Phil Jimenez. A Homeric epic, epic of the lost history of the Amazons and Queen Apollo's rise to power, featuring monsters and myths. This three-book saga spans history from the creation of the Amazons to the moment Steve Trevor washes up on the shores of Paradise Island, changing our world forever. And yeah, that to me, right when I hear stuff like this, I always think of that Odyssey of the Amazon book by Kevin Graveau. And all I can say is Kelly Sue DeConnick is way better than that. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And Wonder Woman, Diana's Daughter. And you see, if anybody wants to see the effects of the popularity of the Wonder Woman movie, we're seeing it here. This this black, what is it called? Black label line? You got a bunch of Wonder Woman books because she's becoming, you know, she's always popular. But that is something that you can see that's kind of carrying over. And, and really, that that's another thing. When people say about the movies, like, oh, man, it's awesome. The Wonder Woman movie uh, will get everybody reading comics. It never goes that way. It's not a tit-for-tat thing with the movie to comics. Uh, but it does put a focus on a character, and you see it right there. Uh, written by Greg Rucka. And, again, it's Wonder Woman, Diana's Daughter, the working title. Written by Greg Rucka, artist to be announced. It's been 20 years since the world stopped looking to the skies for hope, help, and inspiration. Now, the world keeps its eyes down, and the powers that have risen have every intention of keeping things that way. Amongst a scattered broken resistance, a young woman seeks to reclaim what has been forgotten, and on the way will learn the truth about herself, her heritage, and her destiny. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. I, I think all of these are pretty cool. Uh, and the next one, and the last one, I believe, in this little deal, The Other History of the DC Universe, written by John Ridley, are to be announced, a compelling literary series analyzing iconic DC moments and charting the social socio-political gains through the perspective of DC superheroes that come from traditionally disenfranchised groups, including Jon Stewart, Extrano, Vixen, Supergirl, Katana, and Renee Montoya, uh, among others. Uh, and I, I will tell you, when we first got the announcement of this, I was a real piece of crap. A Supergirl? What, what is that? What is she representing? All those uh, Kryptonians? And no, she's a girl. I'm an idiot. I'm a freaking jerk piece of crap I am. Uh, at its core, the story focuses on the lives of those behind the costumes and their endeavors to overcome real-world issues. It isn't about saving the world. It's about having the strength to simply be who you are. And with that, you, you have the names. And the funny thing, the name that sticks out, I think, is the name I like and most want to read about is Extraño. And he was in the, I think the last time it would have to be the uh, Apollo Midnighter book, Steve Orlando's book. And I really like that, that second miniseries that started Rebirth. I really liked it, and I really liked Extraño. He was freaking awesome. But the next story, we're going to get off that. That's the Black Label stuff. You can sit and digest that for a minute uh, or a second because we're going to move on to Mike Perkins jumping from Marvel to DC. Artist Mike Perkins has announced that he has begun working with DC Comics after nearly a 14-year almost exclusive run with Marvel Comics. In an interview with Comic-Con – or Con, yeah, Comic-Con. The artist doesn't specify the reason for the change, but teased the kind of DC projects he's looking to do. Still waiting on the okay from DC's publicity department on announcements, but I can tell you that I have a long wish list, Perkins told Comic-Con's Oliver McNemmy. Apart from a few inking jobs and short stories in the big books, this will be my first dance with DC. So if you look at the Who's Who encyclopedia characters and open at a random page, I'm sure you'll find me waiting or wanting to tackle them. Topping that list, though, would be Catwoman, Lois, 
Batman, Night Force, Superman, Green Lantern, Legion, and any of the Justice League of, or Suicide Squad. Wait, I've just mentioned everyone, haven't I? And it says Perkins is best known for his work on Marvel's Captain America, an adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand, and recently concluded a run on Iron Fist. Now, he's throwing out these names, and obviously uh, he's not you – know, as far as we know, he's not going to be on Justice League or he's not going to be on Superman uh, so or Batman. So I think that with this, uh, I would guess that this is going to be something black. Black Label book, so he could do it. It's out of continuity. You get this, and again, this is something that that Black Label line. I really do think, and I can't underestimate or under, uh, you know, emphasize what that could mean to getting other people in. Where, yeah, you can have them. Hey, you want to write Batman? Well, yeah, you can't write the regular Batman uh, book because Tom King's hijacked it for a hundred issues. He says, uh, but what you can do is join in this Black Label deal and do whatever you want. You know, open up the toy box and let's play. Whoo! Let's get like Eric Shea and play some Transformer Beast Wars and in the meantime, write a Batman book. But yeah, I think that's pretty cool. But Harley Quinn number 41 changes artists. Series future still in doubt. And Naki Miranda is now drawing April 4th Harley Quinn number 41, replacing the originally solicited Morissette. And it's so funny. I, I read this, and when I got this during the podcast, because we already uh, recorded stuff with Reggie earlier this week because he was going to Hawaii like a fancy fella. And I mentioned, like, oh, guess what? Because I looked ahead on, uh, I wanted to see the arc that was going on, see how long it was going. So while him and Reggie were talking, uh, I went on the site, checked it out. Out and so, oh, yeah, you have this arc ends here. And oh, by the way, Reggie Morissette's going to be on that. Now he loves him. So he's like, oh, that's awesome. Well, at least one of the two issues he was supposed to be on uh, is now resolicited to have Anaki Miranda on. I'm guessing that the other will change as well. And also think that this change may have something to do with what this story leads to because no reason was given for the change in DC's announcement. However, Marset remains solicited for Harley Quinn number 42 later that month. Now, that's the problem. The future of the series after that remains in doubt as DC has no issues for its May 2018 solicits. So if you're going to say Anaki Miranda out of nowhere is changed up as the artist, I believe it's because they had to rewrite the issues because it's going to end. And, you know, you can't have uh, something. They want to have an ending. So so I would think that that is something that people were afraid of, and I think that that may be coming down the line, or we'll have that month off in May, and then you come back in June with uh, Harley being monthly because of how they're going. I don't know. I would have suspected, because the sales are still good, uh, I would have suspected that it would go to monthly before cancellation. That seems to be the route that things take. But maybe they're changing up the route. Maybe this is because something else is changing as well. Uh, Miranda has illustrated several Harley Quinn issues previously, including this week's number 39, uh, which I liked. I like I like the art. Uh, Reggie, not a big fan, but I, I like it enough. And Frank Thierry is on the book. He's writing the book right now. Took it over from Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. And it did seem that uh, Palmiotti and Connor were kind of getting a little bored with being on that book for so long, and that's what happens. You, you do this stuff, I'll tell you, by about episode 130 of the show, I'd had enough. I'm, I'm freaking mailing it in, running on fumes now, but uh, 
uh, it kind of got a little bit boring, uh, it seemed for them, and then passed that on to the reader a bit. I like Frank Thierry's story so far. I actually really am enjoying Harley again, and it's a shame if it does end. Uh, but we've had a lot of Harley. He had a great run, had tons of books. At one point, you could not escape Harley at anything. If there was, there, there would have probably been at one point an Arbor Day special. Harley tackles Arbor Day where she goes out and ends up, uh, you know, keeping people from chopping down trees or something. Harley Quinn's President Day extravaganza they had. Ah, yes, but we're going to move on to the Marvel part of the podcast, the Marvel News deal here. And the first one is Miss Marvel's catchphrase added to Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And how Warren Ellis and The Simpsons are involved, and they say involved, The Simpsons are pretty much the creator of this. And I put this in mainly while I was watching The Simpsons. I saw this. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty tired. I'll add this to the news. This week, Merriam-Webster added the word embiggen to its dictionary, one of the standard setting documents of the English language, defined as a, quote, to make bigger or more expansive. Many comic book readers likely recognize the term as Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel's battle cry, used primarily when she uses her shape-changing powers to grow her fist. And if you are an old man like me, you say this is embiggen is now the new emo chuck. And it is, but Kamala's usage of the term is ubiquitous. Merriam-Webster uh, tweeted news of the new dictionary entry with a gif of Miss Marvel from Disney XD's Avengers Assembled. But Embiggen didn't start with Kamala Khan, and please don't ever say that it did. It's cool that they use it. It got me mad that that's what the stress is because it first gained traction from the in the comic book community when Warren Ellis took a shine to the then slang term around 2008. But its true origins go back even further to the 1996 episode of The Simpsons, Lisa, the Iconoclast, in which the most intellectual of Simpsons challenges myths about Springfield's town founder, Jebediah Springfield. And if you're not aware of that... His quote is, a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. And and I watched that episode last night, and it always makes me laugh, uh, mainly for Homer in that. And he is a great town crier. I just want to spell that out. And we'll move on. Deadpool's longtime writer, artist, and editor, leaving with May's number 300 issue. May 9th's despicable Deadpool number 300 will be the end of an era, as it will be the finale for writer Jerry Dugan and artist Mike Hawthorne as well as longtime editor Jordan D. White. Now, that solicits for Deadpool. 300 are out. I guess it's time to announce that it will be my last issue editing the series, tweeted White, who has edited the Deadpool title since 2011. I've been editing the Deadpool line for over half of my career, and I'm going to miss Wade immensely. I'm incredibly pl- proud of the work I've done for him. Dugan announced that the issue will be his finale earlier on Twitter, ending his run uh, from 2011. And my last Deadpool drops in 300. I've been so lucky in collab with collaborators, and I'm even luckier to write exactly the end I wanted after burning Wade down in Secret Empire, tweeted Dugan in February. Our goodbye is 20 pages, each from Slot, Mateo, and Mike, the heroes of the run. Thank you for a wild ride. Hawthorne confirmed to Newsarama it's his end as well after five years on the title. Now, that leads to the next story. Deadpool gets a... Fresh start from Scotty Young and Nick Klein. Writer Scotty Young and artist Nick Klein will relaunch or launch Deadpool number one as part of Marvel's Fresh Start initiative, reports Polygon, and it's starting June 6th. According to Young, he's had his eyes on writing Deadpool for years now. Before I pitched Rocket Raccoon back in 2013, I tried to get Deadpool. Ha ha. 
Young said, but he has spoken for, was spoken for. So I said, well, I can kind of have a similar vibe for Rocket, just cleaned up a bit. So my head was already in that place. I like to write stories that move fast and keep you on the ride, Young continued, and I like to try and make you laugh while someone is getting their arm broken or head exploded. Ha ha ha. He likes to ha-ha-ha in these, similar to my run on Rocket. I like doing shorter stories and have threads that weave in and out. Ha-ha-ha. Those were mine. Could you tell? I was laughing my butt off. Here's Marvel's official description for Deadpool number one. Scotty Young and Nick Klein bring you the craziest tales of the regenerate and degenerate yet. It's been a while since Deadpool's had a merc to make ends meet, or been a merc, Hey, I don't know. Hat to Merc to make ends meet. At this point, I'm looking at these words, and it's not just this. Like, things are scrambling around, but things are tough all over. While Deadpool tries to get his humble mercenary for higher business back off the ground, a catastrophic threat so unfathomably large is so mind-breakingly cataclysmic, it defies description as heading towards Earth. And there's only one person who can stop it. Oh, no, wait. It's not Wade, is it? Oh, it's Wade. Is there any ha-has left after that? Deadpool number one is scheduled to debut June 6th, as I said earlier. The next deal is something that saw Trevitt in the Slack chat saying it's great. I saw Brandon uh, saying that it's nonsense. And so the uh, what we think the Marvel Madness podcast is actually, to me, a redo of the East Coast-West Coast rap feud or war uh, back in the day. I, I'm telling you, I listen to the Marvel Madness podcast just to hear the ongoing East Coast, West Coast rap battle. Of course, Trevitt, though he'll be mad, he's West Coast. Brandon, he's East Coast. He, he's old school East Coast uh, and just hates everything. Uh, and, and really, that's why he is the mirror image of me. If, if there's the Marvel doppelganger of me, I believe it's Brandon, just with a little more buffalo wing sauce around his, his uh, deal. And that's, did you know in Buffalo that buffalo wing sauce is used uh, as milk for babies? I, I heard that the other day. It surprised me. Uh, uh, but didn't. Sentry returns a new Marvel fresh start ongoing. Old Sentry. Jeff Lemire and Kim Jacinto are launching a new Sentry ongoing title as part of Marvel Comics Summer Fresh Start Initiative. Spinning out from his return recently in Doctor Strange, this new series will delve in the psychology of Bob Reynolds' superheroic persona, according to the writer. The Sentry is a fascinating character. I absolutely love the original Sentry series by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee when it first came out. So I jumped at the chance to write the character. Lemire told comic book he who first reported on the new series Sentry has a lot of emotional depth and a lot for me to dig into in terms of the psychology of the character he is immensely powerful and has the potential to be one of the greatest and most important heroes in the Marvel Universe but he is constantly undermined by his own dark side and his own self doubt the new series uh, Sentry series will jump ahead in time a bit from the character's last appearance in Doctor Strange with the Sentry already reintegrated into the Marvel U Bob will begin to reconnect with the rest of the Marvel U again. In fact, our series will start a few months after the events in Donnie Kate's Doctor Strange, and Bob will already be reintegrated in the Marvel Universe a bit more, said Lemire. Sentry is scheduled to launch in June. And I wanna I wonder, because again, I'm more of the DC side of things and I, you know, read news and, and talk to most people I talk to is about DC stuff. And you have like a character like Damage that comes about and basically 
everybody on both sides. The the East Coast-West Coast feud ends for a second, and everybody jumps up and says, oh, this is just DC's version of the Hulk, and that is used as a an insult. Like, oh, man, look, they can't come up with things. But when I hear about Sentry, it's Sentry is Marvel's version of Superman. But I don't get that the Marvel fans are like, oh, say, this is just Superman. It seems like the Marvel fans are, I don't know if they're more giving or forgiving or whatever but it's like oh yeah i like sentry yeah oh i heard that uh you know he's just superman uh, yeah who cares that that's awesome we got a superman over here when the dc fans are like why do we need a hulk it's just weird that the combo or the differences it's just the little differences that make it something like you know the big mac is the big mac it's the, the differences that do it he would dig it the most i hear iron man's fresh start number one is somewhere between Rick and Morty and Black Mirror is the next story. Artist Valerio Shitty. Shitty? <laughs> Skitty? Will draw dance. I, I have the worst th- thing with names with Marvel that I don't say, but it looks like shitty to me. That's the worst last name I've ever seen. Dan Slott's upcoming new Fresh Start volume of Iron Man, according to an interview with Nerdist. In the same interview, Slot himself dropped this pitch for his take on Tony Stark's story. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that. I'm looking at it. I guess it could be Skitty. Telling you, this would be like if your last name was uh, Dick and you said, no, 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 it's Deke. No, no, unfortunately, it's Dick. You're going to have to live with that, buddy. You're going to see a superhero comic that's somewhere between Rick and Morty and Black Mirror. I got to grow up. I really do. These things crack me up so much. I, I, I told, I said the story the other day that I was in the car and a uh, a commercial came on for some convention for the pipe layers union and i started laughing so hard at this and every time they said it i laughed more and more and logan my youngest son is just like why don't you grow up grow up dad huh, i said why i don't want to grow up i i don't want to huh. slot plans to throw everything in the kitchen sink in the new iron man series including hundreds of armors to me, this is heaven, said <laughs> Skitty to the challenge. To do new designs is one of my favorite things in comics, and here I have the chance to play with such an iconic character, to try different styles, to use cl- classic suits, and to create new and extraordinary armors. And God bless you, Valario. You have overcome that last name. Everything counts, added Slot. We're going to play fair with all that's happened to Tony from the very beginning all the way through to the most current runs. If you're a longtime Marvel fan, I want you to know all the continuity counts. And this is where you have people like Trevitt arguing, and it's really – this is going to be playing both sides of the argument here. And it really is kind of like, hey – Everybody jump in because when I hear this, I'm like, okay, it's all the continuity, whatever, which I'll never learn and I'll never know. I don't have the time. And he says legacy counts. I agree. Uh, But if you're on one of the billions of people on this earth who only know Iron Man from the movies, you can jump on right here for a fresh start. So he's kind of saying that as well. And Dan Slott's a good enough writer that I definitely would think that he can play that both ways. I'm looking forward to it. But I really want a new 52 uh, reboot. And that is just me being selfish. And I know people who are invested in the Marvel Universe would never want that because of the legacy and the history. I'm just telling you I'm a selfish man who just wants number ones that are the start so I can start reading and then sound within three issues. I'm a fucking expert then. I'm telling everybody what's what's what. 
Look back at my third review. I mean, I'm telling you, this the site started by uh, Green Lantern Corps number 25. I was talking like I was the authority. Iron Man number one is scheduled to debut June 20th. Black Bolt confirmed the end with number 12. Aladdin Ahmed and Christian Wade's Black Bolt series is ending with April 12th, uh, or April's number 12, as confirmed by the artist in a tweet today. The series penultimate issue was released this week, and it's done. Just finished an upload of my last Black Bolt page, Black Bolt issue 12. Our final issue is finished. Ward tweeted, man, I'm going to miss drawing these guys. After the title's absence from Marvel's May 2018 solicits and the conclusion of Marvel's other Inhuman, Inhuman series, the series continued future was speculated to be in doubt. Black Bolt number 12 is scheduled to come out April 4th with a collection of the title's second and final arc solicited for a June 6th release. And that is it for the Marvel deal. And we're going to move on to the indie books with a couple stories the first one being Dynamite's John Wick title undergoing significant delays. Dynamite Entertainment's John Wick title is undergoing significant delays. Oh my goodness, I think that said that in the title, which began even before the first issue hit stands. Originally announced in late 2016, John Wick number one was later solicited for release September 6th. For reasons unknown, the first issue didn't come out until November 29th. And I was looking forward to this, actually. Never read that first issue. And when I, I read this, it's, oh, it's, it's undergoing significant delays oh when is it going to start oh shit it started so i'll have to go back and read that uh i i just it kind of went under my radar and now that i have that other review podcast this would that that would definitely be something i'd like to review on that but john wick number two is yet to be released but it's currently pegged for april 4th six months later than dynamite originally solicited it so i'll have to wait a little bit more for that the next thing is just something that is kind of like a near and dear thing to my heart uh, almost like, and it reminds me of when Eric talks, and the other day he was talking about ElfQuest, uh, like he was writing an encyclopedia on it and was going on, and we kept joking that we were going to start an ElfQuest podcast called The Podcast of Two Moons, Shoop, and uh, with that, he just was going on and on, and when I saw this story, I wanted to throw it in, mainly because it is something that I liked as a kid. Right here on Weird Science. Right here on Weird Science. Uh, and it's kind of like how I would – I don't talk to Eric about it because I don't think he'd be interested. He does not get that hint from my glassy-eyed look uh, into the uh, uh, nether regions when he starts talking ElfQuest, though. It is interesting. I know more about ElfQuest now than I ever cared to before, but – this is it. Dragon Riders of Pern returns to comic books. And McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern is returning to comic books with a new adaptation plan this fall. Uh, from Dabble Brothers reports ICV2. The adaptation will begin with a Dragonflight series based on the first of McCaffrey's Pern novels. That's awesome. I, I did read a lot of those as a kid when I used to just want to read everything that was out there and had time. In 1991, Eclipse Books established a three-part OGN adaptation of Dragonflight by writer uh, Bryn Stevens and artist Leela Dowling, Fred Van Gobel, Leela Dowling, and Cynthia Martin. So Leela Dowling gets double billing. Dabble's new adaptation will be unaffiliated with this previous version. The creators involved have not been named, though they just uh, the Dabble brothers, uh, you know, those guys. But yeah, that is it for the, the indie news as well. So we're only left with 
entertainment news, and these will be some quick deals. The first one is, and it's funny because I actually put a lot of these stories in as a like, yeah, really? that That's a surprise. Black Panther sequel confirmed. Oh, really? You mean the breakout hit of the last five years is going to have a sequel? Who would have thunk it? Oh, my goodness. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige sees a lot of potential in the characters and the world of Wakanda. As he says this, they had a picture. Uh, obviously, this is a podcast, so I couldn't put the picture up. He, he's laying in a bed of money, throwing it up in the air, laughing. Uh, yeah, introduced in Black Panther. Enough to confirm a sequel is in development uh, in a new interview with Entertainment Weekly. Uh, nothing specific to reveal other than to say we absolutely will do it, Faggy said, in between lighting cigars with hundreds. When asked of a Black Panther sequel, one of the favorite pastimes at Marvel Studios is sitting around and laughing at all the money we're making. Uh, Sitting around on a part one and talking and dreaming about what we would do in a part two. There have been plenty of those conversations as we were putting together the first Black Panther. We have ideas and a pretty solid direction on where we want to head with the second one. Uh, I know that a lot of people loved Black Panther. A lot of people didn't. And I know that some people didn't like it saying like, oh, great, we got a, uh, you know, a bunch of characters thrown out there and a little origin deal and whatever. Uh, I loved it. And I will tell you, if you go down the line of movies that I like, I usually like part ones of things like that where we learn the characters. I guess in a movie, I'm more of a character guy and want to learn about the characters. And pretty much if you give me characters that I like and I, you know, can sit there and go like, boy, those are pretty cool characters. You have already won me over. I, I'm telling Guardians of the Galaxy, it's not just because it was funny or action-packed. It was because the characters, I, I just loved all of them. And same thing with Black Panther. I love them. I, I love Black Panther. And uh, just the character itself now. And going in, I just afterwards, I'm like, boy, I'd like to hang out in Wakanda. I don't think they'll have me, but I'd like to do it. And I, just because I look like a hobo and and they are a little more, you know, fancy in Wakanda to have me show up in my shorts and sweatpants. Or, I mean, shorts and sweatshirt, no sweatpants. I'm no savage here. I, I don't know, you know, I don't sit there with these sweatpants on. But, yeah, I, I'd show up in Wakanda, and they, they'd probably just give me money and a meal and send me on my way, thinking that I thought, you know, I was just there. Ah, yes. Ah, but I'd love to live in that Wakanda. It'd be so cool. Uh, But yeah, I love origin stories. And though it wasn't an origin story, it kind of was. And and that's what I'm in. Like Batman Begins uh, was was one of my favorites. Stuff like that. I really like origin stuff. But Booster Gold movie still in development is the next deal. Producer Greg Berlanti says his long-in-the-works Booster Gold film is still on track at Warner Brothers. And he's even commissioned a script. Still in development with DC, Berlanti told The Wrap. I wrote a draft trying to figure out both the distance that we still have to travel and how we want to execute it. Still, Berlani says that the film is moving slowly due to the shuffling of DC's film Slate. That's really on them. They're still kind of determining their order of business on that, said Berlani, who elaborated that the studio was figuring out, quote, how Booster Gold is going to fit into the greater landscape. 
following the, you know, that greater – I think that you should also – I know it's not the way he said it, but he should probably put that greater in quotes as well. Following the lukewarm reception of films such as Suicide Squad and Justice League. We have a draft with a writer I like very much, said Berlani, without disclosing the writer's name. If the studio is excited, it's obviously their determination. We finished all the work. We need to go on the draft. I would love to do something in that space. I'm still a little clueless on how movies come together. I show up at work every day and make the work as good as I can, but then they call me and say we're making it. Uh, That sounds like a very rambling man right there. He's a rambling man. Uh, The next deal is, and the last deal, and this is one of my favorite stories of the night, Luke Cage Season 2 release date set. And the story is Luke Cage Season 2 will hit Netflix June 22nd. Boom. Short and sweet. Unlike this episode of this podcast, uh, I guess I just looked. It's actually uh, maybe I thought that I was rambling on a little too much as well. But I like that it comes in under an hour so people can listen to this on the weekend, get ready for the main podcast, have some fun, have some laughs, be edutainmented. Is that it? Edutainmented is what I like to do here. Uh, I will never go as far to say that I'm Eric Shea that is a performer and an informer, uh, but that is the news. That's the news for the week. I hope everyone enjoyed this, and as they say in the business, as I get my sound effect board going, that is the news, and I'll see you next week. All right, I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'm here just to end this once again telling you that this show always goes up every Saturday on our Patreon account if you want to get more episodes going forward as well as all those other shows I talked about at the beginning of this and many, many more. Go over to patreon.com slash weirdscience and see if it is for you and you and you but i'm gonna kick out of here if that is really a saying and if you're listening to this and just want to listen to us regularly uh each week we will be having our podcast up on sunday night as always and i'll see you there